This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Harbor family, so glad to be with you here at Harbor at home on this Sunday. And for those that may be joining, even outside of our South Florida region, maybe within the United States or somewhere else around the world, welcome. What a super beautiful opportunity to just gather with believers in living rooms, uh, having conversations around uh, dinner tables. Uh, This is such a beautiful, a beautiful expression of the body of Christ and so honored to be with you in this setting on this beautiful Sunday as we get into fall, fall weather. We're praying for that more and more here in South Florida, uh, but wherever you may be, welcome. I want to take just some time. We've been in Impacting Our World um, series for a few months now, and I just want to just talk to you about what it looks like to live the how much more kind of life. I think so often, this has been my experience in, in my journey with Jesus, is he is, he is showing me actually the life that he's intended for me to live in him. I think so often we sell ourselves short. We don't understand what Christ has accomplished for us. And because of that, we live a life inferior to the one that he's actually called us to live. We have a new reference now in Jesus Um, as we are one with him through his death, through his burial, through his resurrection. And we're called to live according to all that he paid for on the cross for us. And it will manifest into the fruit of our lives, in our relationships, in our marriages, in our our, our work performance, and all of those kind of things. So we're going to dive into this how much more kind of life. Holy Spirit is, in, in essence, theologically moving us from just having a gospel of salvation um, way of thinking into a gospel of the kingdom. Salvation, he's come, he's saved us, he's rescued us. But now out of rescuing us, uh, we're not going back into peril. He's actually calling us to live in a life that demonstrates his kingdom or his authority or his rule here on this earth that supersedes all the brokenness that Adam brought into this world in the fall, um, however many thousands of years ago. We live in a completely new paradigm through Jesus because what he has done supersedes what Adam did. So let's jump into this. Matthew 24, 14, we see this uh, being shared by Jesus himself. He says, through it all, this joyful assurance of the realm of kingdoms, heaven's kingdom will be proclaimed all over the world. And this word proclaimed, it's not talking about just talked about. It it literally means being lived out through the lives of people. Providing every nation, that's every ethnos, the Greek word is there, or people group, the reality of the demonstration of God. So it's not just a church preaching or some theological mantra, mantra. It's actually people putting this thing called the gospel of the kingdom on display. It's amazing. And after this, the end of the age, the end of all brokenness will arrive. We'll see God come and do something in the world that has never looked to the level like this before. Isn't that amazing? So the good news, we're called to preach this. We're called to live this, the gospel of the kingdom, which includes our salvation. So we're not excluding salvation. We're just saying, hey, that's like step number one. Step number two is 
after we get rescued, we're supposed to move into the how much more kind of life. Does that make sense? And then everybody, and I want to say this, I want to look at you, all right? Everybody has the potential to benefit from this good news that I'm talking about this morning. It's humanity's inclusion in the greatest moment of human history where Jesus rose again from the dead, took his place at the right hand of the Father, is seated in all authority, we're there with him. Now he is at rest waiting for us to rise up and put all of his enemies at bay. All right, this is our place. His triumph now becomes our triumph. We own it and we begin to live this thing out. Look what Romans 5.17 says. It says, death once held us in our grip and by the blunder of one man, death reigned as king over humanity. Notice the language. We're talking about us living in the kingdom. It says that there was another king at one point. It reigned as king, this thing called death that Adam brought into the world. But here's the language. How much more are we held in the grip of grace and continue reigning as kings in life, enjoying our regal freedom through the gift of perfect righteousness in the one and the only Jesus, the Messiah? There it is. So we're not just living in the broken reference of Adam. We're living in the how much more kind of governmental life in Jesus. Now, just to make this practical, here's how death reigned in our lives and has reigned in the earth since the fall of Adam. It's reigned through guilt, through shame, and through pain. This is what Christ came to eradicate. We need to understand, these are the three enemies that we face, guilt, shame, and pain. Those three things dominate the soul, the mind, the will, and the emotions, of people experiencing the brokenness of Adam's fall. Jesus came through intimacy to pull and remove us out of the place of guilt. You know, when you feel guilty, you don't feel like you have a connection with the person that you've wronged. You actually want to stay away from them. You, you, there's, there's actually in that guilt, there's separation. Look at our legal system today. If you're found guilty, what, do you do? what happens to you? You're put in isolation. You're put in a prison cell. You're separated from anybody and everybody, including the party that you victimized. All right? But in Christ, he actually comes to us. Think about Peter when he, you know, blew it. All of his promises, broken. And in the moment when he finds uh, Peter, Jesus, finds Peter at the seashore after all of his three denials, instead of telling them, hey, I knew you were going to do this, go away to your punishment. Instead, he invites him to sit down at an at a, at a intimate meal on the beach. Intimacy breaks off guilt. We're not supposed to run from the Father anymore. We're supposed to run to him in our guilt. Isn't that, that's a paradigm shift. We need to begin to understand this. Shame. Shame, it, it, it's not only where we run from people or we're isolated, we actually hide in that place. We actually, and it's not just hiding in terms of proximity, we turn inward. This is where we start putting on veneers and, and becoming another person, acting like someone we're not, because we're actually hiding who we actually feel that we really are, this messed up, broken individual. But shame is like, like intimacy breaks guilt, Shame is broken by identity. 
when you discover, hey, listen, you're not that person. That's not who, who God sees you as. That's not your portion in life. Shame begins to be broken off because you come out of that insulated shell into who you were always meant to be. Pain is the last one. I remember one of my mentors, he said, the demonic or demons, they feed off of pain. And this is why the, the adversary, through a variety of plethora of circumstances, he tries to hurt people. And he doesn't fight fair. If you've ever experienced this, it's like when, when you're down, he kicks you when you're down. He, he, he doesn't just try to, to hurt you a little bit. He tries to hurt you a lot. But this is where, through Christ, the power of restoration or integrity comes and starts to manifest in our hearts. Like, we aren't supposed to live in pain for the rest of our lives. Through forgiveness, through healing, through freedom. In fact, that's what salvation means, sozo, to be made whole, to be delivered, to be set free. So that actually happens in the beginning of our experience with Jesus. We don't even realize that this is what he wants to pull us into, that integrity where we actually become who we were always created to be. Look at Romans 5, 5.18. It says, in other words, just as condemnation came upon all people through one transgression, so through one righteous act of Jesus' sacrifice, the perfect righteousness makes us right with God and leads us into a victorious life. Verse 19 says, One man's disobedience opened the door for all of humanity to become sinners, to miss the mark, to go a different way. But one man's obedience opened the door for many to be made perfectly right with God and acceptable to Him. For when we were, as we were included in Adam, we have now been included in Christ by being repositioned in Him. So this is where intimacy and identity and integrity begins to take place in our life because of our repositioning in Jesus. Now, I just want to spend just the remainder of our time just hitting on a few couple brief things, then we're going to get into some beautiful conversation in our group today. You see, the effect of the gospel has repositioned us in its depth and its breadth. So it not only is something that goes wide, it goes very deep. It permeates not only our lives, but all of culture, even the earth itself, um, like that parable of the leaven that Jesus talked about. It gets into everything. And we need to understand that this is actually what we carry as believers in the Lord. Look at this. Look at this depth and breadth in Colossians um, chapter 1, verse 5. He says, your faith and love rise within you as you access all the treasures of your inheritance stored up in the heavenly realm. For the revelation of the true gospel, this is where this, this, this impact is going to be felt in the earth as we come to understand the true gospel is as real today as the first day you heard of your glorious hope. We're not, we have a good plan for our future, right? And now that you have believed in the truth of the gospel, this hope begins to take resonant in your heart. There it is. There's the breath and the depth. Look, let's look at another one. Colossians 1.6, he says, this is the wonderful message that is being spread everywhere, powerfully changing hearts throughout the earth, just like it changed you. Even if you don't recognize it right now, every believer of this good news bears the fruit of eternal life as they experience the reality of God's grace, where intimacy begins to come, where integrity and identity begin to be manifest in our hearts. Look at one more. 
Colossians 1, 13, 14. He has rescued us completely from the tyrannical rule of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom realm. Look at that language of his beloved son. For in the son, all our sins are canceled and we have the release of redemption through his very blood. You see, God is, is trying to get us to have an all things theology, not just a part of things are going to be changed. Like, and all things are possible. All things can be changed. All things can be transformed. He is either the Lord of all, or he is the Lord of none of it. It's either all or nothing in the kingdom. All right. Jesus just didn't come and do what he did on the cross, paid for what he paid for. That may be, but not for everybody kind of thing. No, it's, it's, it's 100% set into effect. We as the church just need to awaken to this is, this is a reality inside of our hearts. It's the redemption that he is restoring all things. Look at this in Colossians. We're almost done. He is the divine portrait of the true likeness of the invisible God and the firstborn heir of all creation. The word there is prototype. He's an example of many sons and daughters that are going to come in to the things that he has come into. So let's look at that. For the Son, through the Son, everything was created, both in the heavenly realm and on the earth, all that is seen and all that is unseen. Every seat of power, realm of government, principality and authority, it was all created through him, through his purpose. So we see the authority that he had before he even came to the earth. All right? Verse 17 reiterates this. He existed before anything was made, and now everything finds its completion in him. Verse 18, he is the head of the body. Here's how we get looped into this. He's the prototype, but now he's going to raise up many sons and daughters to follow in his way. He is the heir of his body, which is the church. And since he is the beginning and the firstborn heir of the resur in resurrection, he is the most exalted one, holding the first place in everything. Verse 19, for God in, is satisfied to have all his fullness dwelling in Christ. Here it is, verse 20, look at this. And by the blood of the cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself, back to its original intent, restored, oh, I love this language, to innocence again. For years I've been talking about we need to return to innocence of heart. No more pain, no more shame, no more guilt, no more condemnation, no more unforgiveness. In Jesus, we've been liberated from those things, and we're called to reign in life, manifesting the love of God. You see, the power of redemption, reconciliation, all things being brought back to God, bought back to God, is working both in us and through us as we are called to represent him, to represent him to the world. He's the prototype. He's the firstborn. We are the sons and daughters that are now coming into our inheritance as his heirs, heirs of all things. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19, he says, I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through what? Faith, through faith in what Christ has accomplished. Then your lives, look at this, will be an advertisement of this immersed power as it works through you. It's not just something we're hearing. It's not just something we're taking in, but it's going to be something we hear, we take in, and then it works through us. And now we begin to demonstrate this. This is the mighty power that was released. Verse 20, when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the perfect 
place of the highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. And now, verse 21, he's exalted among, above every ruler, every authority, every government, every realm of power in existence. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only in this age, but in the age to come. You see, we are seated there with him as his church. It's our positioning. Even though we live here in the earth, broken stuff going on around him, this is what's possible. So we don't live from a place of defeat, and we don't look at what isn't happening. We dwell on and press into what is. And as things begin to happen, this increases over time as we increase in understanding who we're actually called to be. Verse 22, and he is the, alone the leader and source of everything that is needed in the church. We only look to Jesus. God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ and has given him the highest rank above all others. We're actually found in him because we're one with him in this authority. Verse 23, and now we as his church are his body in the earth and that which fills him who is being filled by it. So beautiful. So listen, I just want to pause here, okay? Because in just a minute, we're going to look in some questions that are going to stimulate some thinking, some good conversation, so that we can move into the how much more kind of life that God's called us to be. And just to break this down, again, this is going to be super practical stuff. We're not living in the clouds with the things I'm talking about here. We're talking about this affects the essence of our lives. We wake up filled with joy, hope, expectation. Our relationships, starting, you know, with family, especially in the context of, of, of marital union, begins to, to, to be fulfilling beyond anything and everything we ever could have thought it to be. We start to see people through the love of God and who they are actually called to be. It isn't just for us. It's not just for a few that, that are called to come into this reality that I've been talking about this morning is for everybody and anybody creating the image of Jesus. He paid for them all. Anybody living in an inferior reference, we want to we see them come into who they were always created and intended to be by living as examples and giving them permission as firstborn brothers and sisters of Jesus and in him raising himself from the dead and all brokenness, death, hell, sin, the grave, all the corruption that's come into the world in culture to actually stepping into what we were always meant to do and to see through our lives. It's such a beautiful gospel. It's good news because it includes us. It includes you. We're going to move into the how much more kind of life. We're not going to live into, oh, look what Adam did. We're going to actually focus on how much more has Jesus provided another way for us and step into those kind of things. He hasn't just saved us plucked us out of the river from drowning, right? He's actually set our feet now on solid ground on the riverbanks so that we can grow and become these trees, these oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, established in life where we become mature men and women who exhibit the beauty of God through his love to others. So listen, as you get into these questions, which are really powerful, um, they'll be on the screen here. I want you to have an amazing time of dialogue, and I trust and believe that through this time, you're going to leave the group this morning in a how much more kind of way than where you were at before. God bless you, and have an amazing time of conversation.
Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.